Before we get going with episode 59 this week, a word from our friends at Keeneland Select. Keeneland's spring meeting kicks off this Friday, highlighted by three stakes races, two of them of the graded variety. And you can watch Keeneland's racing from any location and bet directly from your phone with Keeneland Select. Keeneland Select is offering a lucrative promo for new signups this month. Sign up for a new account with Keeneland Select and receive a special $100 back after you wager $200 on Keeneland Racing this April. This is all on top of Keeneland Select's sign-up bonus that will earn you $100 after you wager $300 in the first 30 days. And you and I both know that you're going to bet that much on Keeneland this may anyway. So you might as well go and get a nice little bonus to go along with it. Sign up today. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your people down at the gas station, at the grocery store, wherever. Got to sign up for a Keeneland Select account. All you need to do, KeenelandSelect.com, use the promo code ITM21. That is promo code ITM21 over at KeenelandSelect.com. Now, on to episode 59. What's happening? Welcome into the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In The Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. This is episode 59 of the program for Monday, March the 29th, 2021. However you listen to this thing, thank you so much for doing so. Many, many ways to find the podcast. If you listen audio only, you have Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, InTheMoneyPodcast.com, you name it. Basically, anywhere you listen to your podcasts. You can find this show. If you are someone who watches along over on YouTube, I know many of you do this time of year especially, or I shouldn't say many of you do, we've seen a nice little uptick, and usually we do with the seasons leading into the Derby, leading into the Breeders' Cup, but I think more and more people are interested in going through and taking a look at the actual replays of these Derby prep races. So we started to see some folks kind of float over there and take a look. I'd encourage you, if you're listening to this, Come on over. Check it out. All you got to do is search bar Matt Bernier show. You get this episode along with the 58 prior. This week's show is going to be lean and mean, down and dirty. It's going to be one of those things where we just come through and we say three derby preps. We're going to rip right through them. We'll go with the Florida Derby. We'll go with the Jeff Ruby Stakes and the UAE Derby. And I recognize and I have not forgotten the Friday feature from last week, but as I kind of alluded to, it just this week and next week's show, there's just so much going on, and I don't want to turn these things into three-hour shows. So we're going to keep these ones tight. I will contact whomever I end up pulling out of there. I've not done it yet because I kind of knew in the back of my head this wasn't going to happen this week. Uh, but I will leave a comment beneath the whoever selected a correct winner on last week's show. So if you are someone who got involved and you did identify the winner, keep an eye out for that because I'll probably do that once I wrap this up here just to get that out of the way so we have some sort of correspondence planning ahead two weeks' time. As far as this week goes, again, those three races. Uh, If you are curious, this coming weekend, three more giant preps. You're going to have the Bluegrass, the Santa Anita Derby, and the Wood Memorial. Those will all be on NBC. Uh, NBC or NBCSN, one of the two. I will be on site at Aqueduct handling the Wood Memorial. I believe we're going to try to set it up and have like a little, uh, I don't know what they've called it, a triple cast, something like that. I will be at Aqueduct for the Wood, and there will be some other folks at Keeneland and some other folks out at Santa Anita and and obviously the folks in Stanford. So looking forward to that. Uh, If you are curious about write-ups, previews of these races, 
even recaps written-wise. You can find them over on NBCSports.com slash edge. Uh, there will be some other things coming up. I can't quite say it just yet because we haven't you know, crossed the T's and dotted the I's yet. But there'll be some things, maybe not just in racing, coming up in the uh, rather near future. So looking forward to that. I'll keep you all abreast on that sort of thing. Uh, this week also, the return of Horse Player Happy Hour. Myself, PTF, I think JK is going to be involved, but I know he's also going to be sort of in transit. So uh, that'll be on Thursday afternoon. And I'm not going to sort of spoil the surprise here because it's, it's going to be very, very exciting. But you're going to want to pay attention. Tune in. There's going to be a feeder running on Thursday, but we're going to kind of give you the heads up of what's to come for this year. Because this isn't going to be just sort of a one-off sort of thing. This is going right through the Breeders' Cup, and we've got a number of new elements that are exciting, and I think going to take this entire thing to the next level. So please, keep an eye out. Horse Player Happy Hour is back starting on Thursday afternoon. Myself, PTF, uh, hopefully we can get JK involved as well before I drive down to Aqueduct on Friday afternoon. Uh, so without further ado, let's get involved. Let's take a look back at what happened this past weekend. These... Let's say of the weekends that you're going to have the three preps this past weekend and this coming weekend, I think it's safe to say that this coming weekend is the one that will have a more direct effect on the Kentucky Derby simply because it feels like there are going to be more horses from these upcoming three races that will run the first Saturday in May. But this past Saturday, there were definitely some things that we can at the very least take note of and use to hopefully our advantage going forward. Not just for the Kentucky Derby, though, but perhaps for some other races going forward as well. Let's kick things off with the big one. The Grade 1 Florida Derby from Gulfstream Park. Greatest honor with the heavy favor going into it. Coming out of it? Eh. Maybe he was exposed. Maybe he wasn't. Let's talk about it some more. Grade 1 Florida Derby wraps up the Derby prep campaign through Hallandale Beach, Florida. And greatest honor, he was the heavy favorite coming into it. He was looking to sweep the Gulfstream path to Louisville. And the, the concern going in was, was obvious. And it's what folks had brought up. And I know there were a number of people that wanted to ignore it or just didn't believe it or, or whatever the case may be. He just hadn't run all that fast. He had a couple of 89 buyers. He had paired them up in each of the past two. Uh, you know, I sound like a broken record, but I typically think that can lead to a forward move. But you also need to factor in that he was a horse who has no early speed whatsoever. He's going to be facing better horses in the Florida Derby than he had in either of the two prior runs. And just in general, he just didn't seem like the kind of horse trying to rally from the back of the pack. If he doesn't have a massive edge on the field, it just it seemed like at a short number, maybe you want to try to beat him. I thought Collaborate was an interesting one. We'll get into his situation here momentarily. They break from the gate. And by the way, this replay you can find over on Gulfstream Park's YouTube channel. They upload all of their races. They do a great job with that. They break from the gate here, and Soup and Sandwich is going to be on the send. That, that big gray right there, the Johnny V's got the mount. I thought it was a, a very good, heady ride. And to be honest, there were more horses involved early than I probably had hoped. As you see, Collaborate is out here four or five paths rounding the first turn. Meanwhile, back here in the teal silks, about to go out of frame, is greatest honor, and, and no surprise, this is this is him. This is his running style. No early speed. Let everybody else out there let them do their thing. I'll find my stride, and, and we'll try to gobble 
up ground late. Keep an eye on the number five in the green St. Elias silks. This is known agenda for Todd Pletcher's second start wearing blinkers. The most recent start came with the shades on, made a tremendous difference. He won by 11 lengths, but he beat absolutely nothing that day. It did seem like the fig may have been a little bit light as far as the buyers were concerned. Maybe he was closer to an 86 or an 87, but still, having said that, that wouldn't have made him some sort of standout in this spot. You see the fractions, 47-73 for the half. Greatest honors trying to get involved here beneath Jose Ortiz. This is basically what we've seen from this horse time and time again. Jose's really going to have to scrub on him. And okay, maybe he doesn't love being inside or having a kickback. Kind of a problem for me with a horse who this is his running style. Meanwhile, on the front end, you see Collaborate starting to back up. Soup and Sandwich looks really good. Looks like he's going to run a big one, and he does, in fact, run a big one. But here comes Irad. He's going to end up splitting horses, tipping out here to the outside. Greatest Honor is trying to run with him, but at this point, again, you're spotting two to three lengths. Known Agenda is in full, full stride right now, and he goes off and wins this thing pretty impressively. When it's all said and done, it's, it's an impressive number. It's just under three lengths. You see him float in a little bit here at the end. You know, it could be a combination of things. I know I've heard some folks bring up maybe he just wanted to keep Soup and Sandwich in known agenda's vision. Maybe he wanted to, you know, go through and, and whatever the case may be. I'm going to also throw in the, the possibility that he's still just a little bit on the the green side. He's figuring things out. By no means is this a completed project. He's continuing to learn and, and mature. He's getting better. But all things considered, you got to factor that in as well. He wins by almost three lengths. He earns a 94 buyer speed figure. Now, that's a dramatic improvement from the 82 in the most recent start. But again, as I brought up earlier, I think that number really is probably closer to an 87 or an 88. Timeform US had that run in the most recent start prior to this race as a 107, which would be closer to an 87 than an 82. So if you look at it as an 87, and also, by the way, from a context standpoint, that would fit with what the other horses in that race could have run. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that the most recent run from a buyer standpoint was too light. You take it up to an 87 or so, let's just say, use that as the number. 87 to a 94, that's a nice forward move. Second start in the blinkers, certainly was more willing to go through tight spots down on the inside. Uh, not nearly as green, but I think still still has some things to iron out. But he looked really good out here. And I, I don't have a great deal to knock about this performance from Known Agenda. The concern, and I, you know, it's a concern that I have. I don't know it's it's a concern that, that everyone will have. Here in a 94 buyer, and while good and puts him in with a puncher's chance, he's still not among the fastest of the generation. You know, you can go through and look at, at the, the list of horses who have, from a buyer's standpoint, run faster than he has to date. You know, whether it is Essential Quality or Hot Rod Charlie or Midnight Bourbon or, or Mandaloon Two Starts Back or Medina Spirit or any number of these horses. They, they've, they've run faster than he has to date. Doesn't mean that Known Agenda won't run faster the first Saturday in May, but he still needs to. This is also not including the horses who still have their final prep to come, whether it is a concert tour or a risk-taking or, or perhaps a prevalence. He's going to be shipping up to run in the Wood Memorial. These are all horses who, in theory, could move forward again and then run faster than Known Agenda. So, I think at the very least, he's going in as a horse who has a chance, but he is not among the fastest. He is still a little green. The good news, 
Looks like he'll run all day, and he is coming into it improving, which is certainly what you want to see. So I could I could der- certainly understand the case for known agenda in the Kentucky Derby. I'm not ruling him out. I'm not saying I'm not going to pick him. I'm just sort of laying out the the arguments, not against, but just facts of the matter. Well, right now he's a, he's a little bit slow. He's a little bit green, and and I think something else that needs to be taken into consideration. He looked good against this field. I think this th- this race serves two purposes. One, it shows that Greatest Honor perhaps was a little bit exposed against better horses. But also having said that, better horses than Greatest Honor and the horses he's been running against may not be saying much. Relatively speaking, compared to California, compared to Arkansas, heck, even compared to Louisiana. So there's a lot to digest in that. Soup and Sandwich, I thought, ran a remarkable race. Never changed leads, or I shouldn't say that, changed leads extremely late down the lane. Extremely late. And it was a a good effort. Look, I was dubious about him coming into it, not because of the talent. I I had written about him in my preview uh, over on NBCSports.com. The the idea of, I was fearful that this was going to be a little bit too much too soon, that he was still too green, that he may have as much talent as anyone else in the race, if not more, but... At this point, right now, this might be a little bit, this might be a little bit much for him to bite off, and instead he ran a, a really, really credible race, even with the extremely late lead change. He did that just, just shy of the wire. Now, the tough thing is, and it's very easy for me to sit here and say this: you, you have more likely than not earned your starting spot in the Kentucky Derby. You have a horse who, while not fast enough right now. Really has done nothing wrong in three starts. Not that far off, but but he's a little bit a little ways off. I personally don't think, for the long term benefit of the horse, that the Derby is the right move. I I feel like this is the kind of horse that would do better with. I don't want to say more confidence building, but maybe less of a scramble than you'll have in the Derby. You know, he's going to have to be aggressively ridden. He's going to have to go a mile and a quarter in his fourth lifetime start. He clearly has some mechanical issues and some some mental pieces that need to be put together here. It's not to say that he won't run well or can't run well. It's just, let's say he goes there and, well, I guess the easiest way to put it is we have seen very talented horses kind of rushed in to the Derby, and we have seen that it can kind of, it can put them back. It, it can set them back a bit. Now, I don't know what the right call would be. Do you do you wait for the Preakness where you're probably going to have fewer horses in the race? You give them a little bit more time. If you want to run them between now and then, uh, you have you know a race like the Lexington at Keeneland. It's a shorter distance. It's going to be inferior company. He'd probably be the favorite in a race like that. Again, it's not the sexiest idea, but I, I, I just my personal sort of thoughts are, you know, does does rushing a horse along when he clearly still has some things to iron out, what does that do long term for him? We'll find out. But he is a very talented racehorse. Uh, there's no question about it. Greatest honor. <sighs> Greatest honor is it's the way that I've I've kind of fallen into my feeling here is he had he was not overly fast to begin with. 
Couple that with taking on subpar competition. Couple that with an off-the-pace running style. Couple that with a horse who seemingly doesn't like kickback and doesn't want to be inside. I mean, you you have a lot going against you at four to five. And and you know what? Take out the actual race wagering. That's just a lot going against. That's not an appealing wagering proposition. On dirt in the United States, a horse who doesn't have a ton of speed likes to come from off of it, isn't particularly fast, and may or may not like kickback. I mean, we, you've you've ticked basically every box that would suggest stay away. Now, my bigger concern, and this is something that I hadn't really factored in or thought about, and look, Shug McGahee is, is a Hall of Famer for a reason, and it, clearly if he thought the horse needed a breather, he would give him a breather, and he will only go to the spots where the horse has taken. And this horse has earned his right to run in the Kentucky Derby. Did you know the greatest honor has raced and trained consistently since the end of July of last year? I mean, I I get it. That's really, it doesn't sound like it's a a crazy thing, but in in the modern day and age of these thoroughbreds, that's a boatload of, a lot of miles at this point. And when you come into this race with the paired-up 89s, I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe you do move forward. And tactically, yeah, you'll probably be up against it. At least put in a good late bid. He came in a little bit of a late bid, but, I mean, I, I can't really call it that strong. It was the third fastest in the race, or the, the tied for second fastest was Soup and Sandwich. And Soup and Sandwich had to do a hell of a lot more work than Greatest Honor did. And the big concern is the regression from a speed figure standpoint. You pair up those 89s, now you, you walk back a couple points to an 85. There's, I'd be lying if I said there wasn't a part of me that thought, are we at a point now where maybe he's over the top and he needs a breather before we see him get to his best? Um I had read uh, an article in the Daily Racing Forum that perhaps they were going to flirt with the idea of adding blinkers for the Derby. I, I, perhaps that would get him involved a little bit earlier, but this is just my personal feeling from a gambling standpoint. In the Kentucky Derby, Greatest Honor does very, very little for me, even as an underneath type, just because he's trending the wrong way, in my opinion. And I think the water's only going to get deeper. There are going to be more. The quantity of good horses is going to increase. The mile and a quarter, yeah, sure, it should work to his advantage. And if he's just going to pick up pieces, so be it. But I think I can find other horses that can do something similar that are reasonably close from a speed figure standpoint that will be three, four times the price. So all all things considered, unless something dramatic changes between now and, and the first Saturday in May, there's really not going to be much of a scenario for me to be that interested in greatest honor. Um, nice little horse. I, I I wonder if maybe he's a little over the top and maybe he needs a breather. As far as a couple other extra horses just to throw out there again, collaborate. I thought it was a disappointing performance. Yes, he, he carried a lot of ground. First time going two turns, first time taking on winners. I expected something there and he just dropped anchor when the real running began. Be curious to see what the connections want to do with him. And the only other one I'll throw out there is Spielberg. Look, I, I've made no bones about it. I, I don't think much of Spielberg. I, I think he's an okay horse, and that's about it. Um, but whatever your opinion of him was going into the Florida Derby, the Florida Derby shouldn't be used to either 
further or or sort of take apart your case for him because it, you should just draw a line through it because he was about 15 paths wide throughout. There was just no, this was an absolute no hope trip for Spielberg. Um, again, I didn't like him coming into it. I don't think he's a superstar. I don't, I mean, I think he's a borderline graded stakes type anyway. Borderline, probably like a grade three. But this race, you you shouldn't use this as the the reasoning. He, he didn't get a fair shake in there. Um, I'll be very curious to see what they decide to do with him because he just, I, I mean, I, I don't really know what you want to do with him. Maybe he's a Belmont Stakes type who you just, you put him on the engine and you just hope that he'll stay because I, I don't think there's any brilliance really there from this horse. And um, maybe I could be enticed if we talked about the Belmont and you put him right there forwardly placed and just said, we're going to, it's going to be a war of attrition and we're just going to chug along and, and clip off 24 and three. Um, but other than that, I, I don't see much really there to, to be too enthused about, but known agenda. He wins the Florida Derby. He'll be an interesting candidate for the Kentucky Derby. He's got the connections in his corner. He's got Pletcher. He's got a rad. Uh, he seems like a, a much more polished version of a racehorse now with the blinkers on still green. I still think there is improving to do, but he is certainly on the right path and the right track. Known Agenda wins the Grade 1 Florida Derby with a 94 buyer, and it is on to Louisville for the Kentucky Derby. Jeff Ruby Stakes from Turfway Park on Saturday afternoon, a race that historically doesn't have a dramatic impact on the Kentucky Derby, but you do get those, you know, the anomalies and proper anomalies in a horse like Animal Kingdom who, uh, you know, would have run on asphalt if asked to and still probably been one of the top race horses in the world so you're occasionally going to get those circumstances but for the most part this is a race that i i didn't come into it looking at it saying okay well we're going to see a derby prospect in here and, and you know who's it going to be and what's the running style going to look like or any of that kind of stuff we're going to let the tape roll first things first you're going to notice there's a, a major issue out of the gate for tarantino who was your post time favorite at five to two breaking from post seven he's going to bobble pretty badly and Florent Giroux does what he's supposed to do, basically wrap up on the horse, not ask him to go on with it, because at that point, basically all hope is gone. Uh, it does sound like, as of this is being recorded Monday afternoon, uh, Rudolph Brissett is suggesting they're going to run him right back in the bluegrass this Saturday at Keeneland. So we haven't seen the last of Tarantino on the Derby Trail. Here we go out on the front end. You got Moonlit Strike, and he is pretty keyed up, safe to say. 22 and 4 for the opening quarter. They're going to shade 47 for the opening half. And at a mile and an eighth over the synthetic, that's just, you want to talk about cooking with gas. They are burning out there. Gretzky the Great takes up what, you know, looks like if you just drew up where you want to be on the racetrack, it's a beautiful position. The problem is he's just too darn close to this pace. And I'm to not totally convinced that these distances are going to be ideal for him. I think he might be better with shorter distances. Meanwhile, in behind you have Hockey Dad and St. Hood down on the inside. Keep an eye on the nine. Hard ride guy. And keep an eye on your eventual winner. That's the number one like the king. He is back here kind of biding his time. And Drayden Van Dyke's going to start splitting horses following Hard Ride Guy. The difference is he continues on with his run while Hard Ride Guy just flattens out. Meanwhile, up here at the front, you've got Gretzky the Great. He makes the front for just a brief moment before fading. And again, I, I don't really want to hold this against this horse because he just, he's been close to hot paces in each of the past two. And I'm not convinced that these distances are going to work for him. Meanwhile, here we go. This is when I'm going to pause it real quick. This is when, to me, the, the most important pieces of the race happen. 
because it's not so much a matter of the fact that like the King ends up winning this race. Because when push comes to shove, I just, I personally don't see him making a dramatic impact on the Derby. I don't, I don't think any of these horses would make a dramatic impact on the Derby. There is one horse in here, though, who I think has really legitimate potential to be a racehorse. And when I say be a racehorse, I don't mean that in, in a sort of derogatory way. I, I mean it more in the fact that I think we are only scratching the surface and he can run seemingly on any surface based on his pedigree and what we've seen so far. And that's Sainthood. This horse right here in the Windstar Silks, he's going to run up behind Hard Ride Guy, and he's basically going to have to stop cold. And under any circumstances, dirt, turf, you name it, you more or less lose your chance at a decent finish there. Instead, you're going to see him rally. Here comes the steadying. Stop cold. At that point, you think it's over for him. Instead, he ankles him out to the clear, and he finishes with an absolute rush. And, again, not taking anything away from the winner. Like the King. Thought it was a good effort at a great pace now. I love this effort from St. Hood. Now, I don't know if this means that he's going to end up being a superstar. I don't even know what surface he'll be best on. But I still maintain that's not a common, you don't see that from racehorses, especially this inexperienced this early in their career. Now, from a speed figure standpoint, this race is not going to knock anyone's socks off. I believe we're looking at roughly an 85 buyer speed figure. Uh, let me just double check on that and pull this up. But the, the point is, like the king, nice little horse. Done nothing wrong. He's got the speed. He's taken advantage of good pace situations throughout his career, but he is versatile. He had been close to the pace, and I believe Drayden Van Dyke had been quoted saying, you know what, we went back, we looked at the replays and said, maybe he's better off coming from a little bit farther out of it. Well, it was a brilliant call. Whoever was the one who decided to, to go this route, whether it was he, whether it was Wesley Ward, a combination of, of all parties involved, taking him off the pace, letting things go early on, and coming with that long, sustained bid certainly worked to their advantage. But... Sure, that could happen the first Saturday in May, but if recent history is any indication, that doesn't seem very likely. It seems like we're going to get a more moderate pace as far as the Derby goes, and horses with tactical speed or being forwardly placed are going to be the ones that have the major advantage. And also, it's one thing for you to do this on turf and synth. And uh, by the way, there's no surprise that his best races thus far have come on grass and synthetic. It's another thing entirely to do it on dirt with 19 other horses trying to weave your way through traffic. So I don't want to totally cold water this race from him, but I thought, you know, given the circumstances, fine effort, wouldn't fault the connections for going to the Derby. You want to take a shot. By the way, he earned an 86 buyer winning this race. St. Hood, though, is the one that I'm, I'm most interested in in the entire field, even more so than a Gretzky the Great or, or any of these types. Because when I see he debuted going six furlongs at Gulfstream at the beginning of January, and he only lost by a head, then they wheel him back and they ship him to New Orleans for a two-turn maiden special weight race. And admittedly, when I watched the replay, not all that impressed by it, but he kind of ran in spots where it looked like he was going to get his doors blown off, and he dug in gamely down on the inside to rally back and get it done. So, yes, little green, not overly fast. Pedigree, though, by Emsha Wish, and you see Lemon Drop Kid on the bottom, he can basically run on anything. 
They come here, and for him to run the way that he did here leads me to believe that this horse has an abundance of talent, that the talent is there. He's another one, though, that mentally needs to put it together a little bit. Not dissimilar from Soup and Sandwich. Now, he may not be as good as Soup and Sandwich, but I like the progression we're seeing. I like that he rallied the way that he did at a distance like a mile and an eighth for the first time. And he's proven on dirt. He ran like this on synthetic. Hell, I wouldn't mind seeing him on grass at some point based on the pedigree. I'm just really intrigued by a horse like Sainthood. He's not he's probably not a triple crown type of horse. But why can't he be why can't he run in the American turf? on the Derby undercard. Why can't he be a, a, a horse that you keep an eye on, I don't know, for a race like uh, the Belmont Derby or something like that? Or you try him on grass and you say, you know what, he continues to improve. Let, let's try him back on dirt. I just love the versatility of horses like this, who it seems like they can kind of do anything. And I mentioned Animal Kingdom at the top. I'm, I'm certainly not comparing him to Animal Kingdom. But that's the thing it's part of the reason that I think of Animal Kingdom as fondly as I do, and I think many others do as well, is because it didn't matter what the surface was. He could run on anything and be arguably the horse to beat in any of those races. Dirt, turf, synthetic, didn't matter. That, to me, is the hallmark of a, of a, a proper upper echelon racehorse. And I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that a horse like St. Hood can continue on a, a path like that with some more experience and some more seasoning. Maybe we don't get to see him really turn into whatever he will turn into until the late fall or the beginning of, of, of 2022. But I just, I'm, I'm very optimistic with this horse. I'm, I'm really, really intrigued by him. Uh, Hockey dad, nothing wrong with this race. He was relatively close to the hot pace. And, you know, based on the trip, I think in the grand scheme of things, for the horses that were close, he probably worked out the best of it, saved enough ground. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I wasn't overwhelmed by the performance. Gretzky the Great, I, I think Mark Cassie and company are in a tough position with him simply because it seems like he doesn't want to go. Well, again, he's been unfortunate that he's had to deal with back-to-back really fast-paced scenarios. That has certainly cost him some. But I'm also not totally convinced that he's going to want to go these longer distances. And I know he's an Ontario bred, so I'm sure immediately they're all thinking Queen's Plate. And who knows, if he can get out there and just wire the field, maybe that's a a different ballgame. But I I have a sneaky suspicion that he is a miler, but that puts you in a really tough spot right now because there just aren't that many graded stakes options for three-year-olds at a mile. So do you continue running him at distances that might be a little bit long for him? Or do you turn him back to one turn, seven eights, or even a six for a long race? Six seems way too sharp in my opinion, but he has run well at those shorter distances in the past, six, six and a half furlongs. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing them try something like the Pat Day Mile just to see how he takes to that. If that works now, all of a sudden you you perhaps open up the seven furlong races, the Woody Stevens, the H. Allen Jerkins types uh, of the, you know, sort of the calendar for the three-year-olds. But I think they're in a little bit of a tough spot with a horse like that. And I already made mention that Tarantino, it sounds like we're going to see him on Saturday afternoon in the grade two bluegrass down at Keeneland. So all things considered, I don't think this is going to be a particularly productive race as far as the Kentucky Derby goes. And I, again, I, I recognize I forgot to give the prep rating for the Florida Derby. I'm giving that race a six, just staying on trend. I think, you know, you might get known agenda to do something, but I'm not overwhelmed by the race. This race here, I'm going to give it a two. 
as far as Kentucky Derby ramifications are concerned, I just would be very, very surprised if like the King and or sainthood, should he go had a, any major sort of say in the outcome the first Saturday in May. Having said that, I've made it, I think, very clear. I, I like sainthood quite a bit. I think he's a sneaky horse going forward, but that's about that. Let me know your thoughts about this race or the Florida Derby beneath the video player on YouTube. One to go. And it's, it might be the most fascinating replay of them all. And no, he's not, he's not going to, I'm not going to fall in love with him like I fell in love with Mendelssohn. But let's take a look at the UAE Derby. Forgot to mention the Jeff Ruby stakes you can find on Turfway Park's YouTube channel. This is the grade two UAE Derby. I believe it's grade two, grade two or grade three. Three-year-olds, mile and three-sixteenths over at Maidan on the Dubai World Cup undercard. And uh, there's no chart that I'm going to show you. It, 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 we're going to take a look at the replay. Now, it, it goes without saying, we've talked about it in the past, Look, the UAE Derby has not been a productive prep race for the Kentucky Derby. I will maintain that good horses run in this race, though. Case in point, in recent memory anyway, uh, Thundersnow is probably the most well-known. No matter what anyone thinks, Thundersnow was a, was a very, very talented racehorse. Now... His runs here in the United States may have not been ideal, specifically that Kentucky Derby. But he did run just fine in the Jockey Club Gold Cup a couple years after that and, and, and things of that nature. And he won two Dubai World Cups. Really talented racehorse. Mendelssohn, really, really talented racehorse. Second in the Travers, uh, third in the Jockey Club Gold Cup. You know, obviously the, the Kentucky Derby didn't work out because of a number of different things. But the point is, this is a race. Moob Tahij has come from this race. This is a race that has produced a number of really talented racehorses. The problem is they just have not done well the first Saturday in May. Now, Rebels Romance wins this race. And I'm not even going to sit here and try to talk through all the different horses and all that jazz. Because we may never see any of them in the United States. I thought it was an interesting race simply because you've got a horse in Canada. Let's go back, and they're off and like racing. The and it'll speed, speed away very quickly. Legallo's space for Comet both bounced away quickly. Soft Whisper into its stride early on, coming across to his new treasure. Very wide pick to Mahamaya into the first corner. Vibrant just drops in behind it. Look at this horse in the Godolphin blue with the white hat. This is this is our winner, Rebels Romance. We're going a mile and three sixteenths. This is moving by ground. Oh, Patriot is over on the inside. Then, then not. He is third last, and what is he? Let's call it six paths off the rail. So instead of going a mile and three sixteenths, he's probably going to travel. I don't know. Dropping back in the field, then his rebels no romance as they go to the back. Isaac was poorly out, and France go to Inner sees the Maybe entire field as they race so up the side towards the back. Twenty-four eighty-one was the lead, and Panadol shows the way. New treasure up on the outside in second space for coming down to the fence. They will follow them by next of all as they run down the back. Kamehameha, it's trapped out wide from Lagamo. Muhib sneaking forward over on the inside. 
yourself with on a wide trip followed by Tackery Pegasus, then El Patriota Fire Group. Behind them is Ambivalent. But that's taking off his rebel romance from the back, circling the field. Brent's Gertiena is over on the fence. We'll need luck in Manasek now brought wide. Off the back they come in the derby. And Panadol shows the way of a new treasure. Boo here has continued to make ground over on the inside. Pinkamehameha is up three wide. Space for Comet next. Here's Rebel Romance with a white cap right around the outside. Zachary Pegasus next from Ambivalent. Legamo. Manasek's made a long run. They will follow by El Patriota. France Gertiena traveling well but needs room over on the inside. Then Fire Group and Soft Whisper. Behind they come and Panadol the leader. 400 meters to go. After his Rebel Romance runs over here. Followed by New Treasure Move. A gap away then to France Gertiena picking up some ground. And Ambivalent down the outside. But Rebel's Romance went for home and went by Panadol. They will follow then by Move finishing on well. Battling away nicely. New Treasure down the outside. Tackery Pegasus. But William Buick and Rebel's Romance careers away. And the horse I saw run that day, I didn't think very much of in Rebels Romance. He did everything mechanically wrong. He's on his left lead on straight. He's on his right lead on the turn. I know it's a one-turn race compared to two turns. And yes, he had won. I mean, he's won basically every start with the exception of the Saudi, uh, Saudi Derby. But this was not the same horse. This, this horse right here looked like, you know, Secretariat Junior out there. So it can be one of two things. And we, we brought it up with greatest honor the first time through when he won his race down in South Florida. And in all likelihood, this is the path that we're charting. Either Rebels Romance defeated a terrible group. I mean, an absolutely terrible group of racehorses at this stage in their career. Because that's not a trip that's supposed to work. In a way, it's kind of similar to Helium in the Tampa Bay Derby. You either defeated a really, really poor group of horses. Because it's a trip that, that under no circumstances should work on any surface, on any continent, anywhere. It shouldn't work. You shouldn't be able to go 15 wide, going nearly a mile and a quarter, and win for fun. Or... Something dramatically changed, and this horse put it all together. Maybe it was as simple as getting added ground, because I believe he had only gone up to a mile prior to this race. Maybe it was as simple as he needed two turns, and he needed to go longer. Because this, this looked like a fantastic performance. Kind of, again, bucking the trend of what that racetrack typically favors. It favors speed. And he could not have been farther from that. Now, how does all this relate to the Kentucky Derby should they decide to send him over here? Well, first things first, they, you know, the fellas at Godolphin, they've got essential quality. So they're well represented here. He's going to run Saturday in the Bluegrass. He's going to be among the top three choices for the Kentucky Derby. Do you want to bring this horse over? By the way, the connections, uh, Godolphin owned and bred, uh, I believe bred, hang on. Hang on, let me make sure. Oh, it doesn't say. Let's just say Godolphin owned. Trained by Charlie Appleby, ridden by William Buick. I think Charlie Appleby is a one of the best trainers in the world. Do you bring this horse over as basically your, you know, you 
you've got you've got double barrel action going on. You've got a situation where we've got a horse who's got some tactical speed. You know, essential quality is never going to be mistaken for a burner, but he's going to be reasonably close within a few lengths. And we have the closer because if he's outrun in this race, I can't help but think he's going to be in a very similar position in the Kentucky Derby should he go there, Rebels Romance. So we go at him with sort of a two-headed monster where we've got the horse who can be forward and we have the one that's going to rally from the back of the pack. Or, as it sounds like the connections have already alluded to, their big piece, their big goal is we're working backwards from the 2022 Dubai World Cup. I, I, I don't know. I genuinely don't know. Let me know what you think beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. This is, if you just look at it and say, based on past performances and history, and if you do this, you are doing it the correct way, then this is not going to be a horse that has any real right to threaten anything the first Saturday in May. But if you are someone who, if you take sort of the, the preconceived notions out of it and you just looked at what you watched, it's kind of hard to not come to one of the two conclusions that either he looked phenomenal beating a group of bad horses, which in all likelihood is the case, or this was a, a really, really exceptional performance. Either way, I'm fascinated by the horse. I love watching racing over there because you never know what you're going to get. I, I don't think it's going to make a major difference for the Derby. And no, I won't be picking him. But I am very interested in the horse because I feel like generally you can tell when you see a good horse. You watch enough tape, you can, you can tell when there's something there. I don't know what changed between the Saudi Cup and this race, or excuse me, the Saudi Derby. I got to stop saying the Saudi Derby and this race, but th they were not the same racehorse. This was a phenomenal effort from Rebels Romance. Let me know what your thoughts are beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. The Derby preparating for the UAE Derby. For me, it's going to be right there with the Jeff Ruby stakes. It'll be a two. Not expecting much. It's always nice to, to speculate though, isn't it? And of course, that race was on the Maydan or Dubai Racing YouTube channel. If you want to go back and watch all of those replays, including the Dubai World Cup, I'll just briefly mention those two performances, the Dubai World Cup and the Shima Classic, whichever one, Mishrif won. I mean, Mishrif is a serious racehorse. I'm not breaking any news there for him to run the, the way that he has. Two times this year on turf and dirt against, thus far, the best fields that we've seen. Uh, very, very impressive. Hard not to be impressed by that horse. And then with the Dubai World Cup, uh, you know, Mystic Guide, I really, I liked him. And you can go back and listen to some of the, the stuff from last year early on. I really was taken by the horse, by his potential, and he just never seemed to be delivering. He couldn't quite get over the hump, but I thought he had an abundance of ability and finally, he's just, he's one of those cases where it feels like just needed that time, needed that time. Cause I thought it was awesome on Saturday. Um, it sounds like from what I have read, Mike Stidham has talked about the Whitney and the Pacific classic as being sort of uh, targets. And then I would imagine the Breeders' Cup classic being the end game, but uh, just, I thought all around a great performance and uh, someone tweeted it and I, I can't remember who it was. And I apologize um, for not giving credit where credit is due, but someone out there on Twitter mentioned it. I mean, I don't see a dirt horse in the United States right now that can, can run with Mystic Guide. I think he's 
uh, I think he's very clearly the best that we have to offer. And uh, whatever race he shows up in, barring something radical changing over the next few months, uh, he deserves to be the favorite and a heavy one at that. So uh, fascinating night of racing or morning for us on the East Coast, and I guess real early morning for those of you on the West Coast of the United States and Canada, um, of the Dubai World Cup uh, evening. So there's that. Uh, let me know what your thoughts are about all the prep races that happened this past weekend. Need the video player on YouTube or on Twitter, at Bernie or underscore Matt. Let me know what you think coming into this coming weekend with the Bluegrass, the Wood Memorial, and the Santa Anita Derby. These should all be fascinating races, uh, and we'll continue to get that derby picture a little bit sharper and sharper and sharper uh, as we inch closer and closer to the first saturday of may it's only a few weeks away now i think we're we're just shy of five weeks out from the kentucky derby 2021 version so uh it should be fascinating to see what happens there don't forget horse player happy hour coming back on thursday this week myself ptf jk uh, among others get you up to date on what to expect here in 2021 going forward with that and uh, as always, however you listen to this thing, thank you for doing so. Many ways to find the pod. If you listen audio only, you have Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and themoneypodcast.com. If you listen on YouTube or watch along, you have, just head on over there, search bar, Matt Bernie, your show. This episode, along with the 58 prior, will pop up. Questions, comments, concerns, anything. Beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. Again, subscribe, rate us, thumbs up, thumbs down, all the above. All that jazz. You know the drill by now. Uh, This has been episode 58 of the podcast. Thank you all for listening and watching. We'll see you again next week. And until then, best of luck however you play, whatever you play, and wherever you play.